Hello everyone. Welcome back to Collaborative Edges, conversations to inspire initiatives across languages and cultures. I'm Rocio Quispiagnoli at Michigan State University and the host of our podcast series about projects across languages, cultures, and disciplines. Today, we will talk about the research initiative Legacies of the Enlightenment, Illuminismo, developed jointly by scholars at Michigan State University and Penn State University with the generous support from the Mellon Foundation's Humanities Without Walls Initiative. To talk about it and its activities, we have in the studio today two MSU colleagues and members of the Legacies of the Enlightenment team, Valentina Denzel, Professor of French uh, Studies and co-principal investigator along Penn State University Professor Tracy Rattler, who could not be here today, and Ellen McCallum, Professor of English, Film Studies, and Queer Critical Theory. Welcome, Ellen and Valentina. Thank you for being here today. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Great. Um, I would like to start uh, with pointing out that uh, between October 5th and 7th of this year, um, this uh, MSU uh, hosts the first workshop of Legacies of the Enlightenment with presentations by faculty and graduate students working on this uh, uh, period of time and tra tra trend of thought. Let's start with a kind of simple but very necessary question, Valentina. Why studying the Enlightenment today? That's a very good question. Um, Tracy and I, my co-PI, um, uh, when we thought about this project, um, the first thing that came to our mind were the Paris attacks, um, um, the, the attacks on the journal. Um, and uh, what was interesting is that um, the French public was looking at the Enlightenment period, especially Voltaire and his treatise on um, tolerance, to find a way how to deal with that. And it might be a specifically French thing, but uh, Tracy and I, we both thought that the Enlightenment and the philosophy of the Enlightenment still has an influence on today's society of how we, for example, uh, consider the relationship between human and non-human, um, the question of materialism, and I'm sure Ellen can talk more about it later. Um, so uh, we both thought that the Enlightenment is an important period that still continues to influence um, today's society, and we want in this project C how exactly these influences are shaped and formed. Good. And Ellen, why do you think studying the Enlightenment today matters? Well, the Enlightenment is formative in shaping our intellectual and uh, just our culture at large. The reason that we think that science is a good thing has a lot to do with the influence of the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that we have the humanities has a lot to do with the influence of the Enlightenment. So the... Uh, ways in which it has seeped into the very formation of our culture is why it's necessary to think both historically in terms of going back to Voltaire or, or uh, even earlier to Descartes um, and forward into the 21st century to see how these legacies are shaping and can offer new opportunities and new possibilities for future work. Okay, so um, since I mentioned in our introduction today uh, you received, your team received, a generous grant from the Mellon Foundation Humanities Without Walls Initiative for these projects. Uh, we would like to know, Valentina, for how long will this grant be available to the team and what are your goals and expected outcomes? 
So the grant, we received the grant beginning January of 2017, and it's going to be until December of 2019. So basically um, two years. Mm -hmm. um, during this time, what we did, first of all, we, Tracy and I, uh, helped create a network with scholars, and Ellen was one of them. She's been with us since the beginning, the inception of this project. And uh, the first goal was to create a website. It's called Legacies of the Enlightenment, and um, there you can find information about how to teach the Enlightenment today. Um, you have pedagogical material, but also annotated bibliography where people who are interested in the Enlightenment scholars can look at different topics and find important research. And uh, we also have an events that uh, are listed there. So the web page was the first step. The second step, as you already said, um, we are having the graduate student workshop and conference uh, where both of you will be also presenting. Mm -hmm. And this is the second highlight and outcome. And the third one will be publications. Uh, we would like to have peer-reviewed publications of the revised presentations during this conference. And then Tracy and I will look for further funding to continue this mm -hmm. project. Yes, I was uh, looking at the website and I, I tend to call it web portal because mm -hmm. it's interactive in mm -hmm. the sense that uh, uh, the work of the team members uh, uh, keeps being updated, mm -hmm. one thing. Mm -hmm. And the second is that there is a, the possibility to join. Mm -hmm. You know, you are inviting mm -hmm. to join uh, other potential uh, uh, members who are interested in uh, working on the subjects you have identified in the web portal. And um, Ellen, could you tell us, uh, because uh, Valentina said that you have been since the beginning, since the inception of, of this project, what's your role in the team? Well, I have the privilege to be one of the faculty members that has participated in uh, both the uh, annotated bibliography of the website. So there's, I'm just one of many people who has contributed entries of, you know, annotating books that we have read or that we have taught so that scholars and students can access the website to get information about where they could read next. Um, and I also participated in the uh, inception uh, I don't know if it was a workshop or a symposium last year um, in the spring of 2017, which mm -hmm. brought together scholars from MSU and Penn State at Penn State to meet. And then we had some a number of scholars who were participating in the project who were remotely connecting, uh, Skyping in or Zooming in. And uh, we developed the different categories. Uh, so the in-between category, the materialisms category, um, I'm blanking on some of the others. Disciplines. The disciplines category. Mm -hmm. um, the All the ways in which the legacies of the Enlightenment are shaping um, the discourses and, and questions that we're investigating today. Yes. I would like to uh, follow up on what you refer to as the disciplines that you have identified. Um, I noticed in the web portal, Valentina, I focus on five distinctive, I call them research areas or directions, and uh, disciplines, climate, materialism, uh, in between, I love the term, and upheavals. Uh, how were these themes or areas selected to address the enlightenment? That was um, during the first meeting that Ellen mentioned and where she was a part of, and you were a part of that too. Yes. And um, 
Percy and I presented the general idea of the project, but this cannot be a two-woman project. And as Ellen said, we have a lot of scholars participating, students and faculty. And so in, during this workshop, we had we created several groups of people who had common research areas and interests and said, okay, um, what are the research areas that you would like to work on and that you think are linked to the legacies of the Enlightenment. And that's how we came up with climates, which is political climate, but mm -hmm. obviously also climate in the sense of nature. Um, then in between, and disciplines go very well together because the Enlightenment was also a period where new disciplines were created. And mm -hmm. then, of course, that continues in the 19th century. But there was a new approach for the encyclopedia of how to structure knowledge, how to categorize knowledge and all the intersections of different kinds of knowledge creation. And so uh, the in-between is basically the category that looks of what are the areas that fall in between the cracks that were created through this discipline area. And then we have upheaval that goes very closely with climates because upheaval looks at uh, revolution, rebellions, but goes also with the idea of political climate. And so these five, and materialism of which Ellen is a, is a member of that category, um, and she has contributed greatly to that, um, because materialism is also very important in the 18th century of Diderot and, and, and other philosophers. Yeah, so let's go from there to Ellen. Could you, since you are a part of the team that examines materialism, Ellen, could you tell us more about that specifically? So some of the people that are interested in materialism are thinking in a um, classical materialist culture kind of way. So what are the artifacts and the things that, handiworks that people create? And what are the materials that we uh, draw on, like fossil fuels or uh, f uh, other forms of uh, solar power? How are we materially using things in the world to create other kinds of things? But then there's a whole nother layer of critique that's emerged uh, in, as a result of some of the ways that the Enlightenment has been taken up in subsequent centuries. Uh, one of these is new materialism, uh, which is a inspired by quantum physics, thinking about some of the queerer ways that the world works. So the way that electrons can be in sort of two places at once, mm -hmm. or they can be particles, can be particles or also waves, depending on how they go through a diffraction slit. What are the lessons we can learn from those kind of more quantum forms of material that are not as hard and tangible, but still are measurable? Um, how do we learn to think materialism that way? And then a third layer of this would be the folks that are coming from a more Marxist perspective or, or yes, involving yeah. Marxist mm -hmm. categories and thinking about the economic and material conditions of our industrial and post-industrial world. Good. Hey, Valentina, in which of the five teams or five areas are you taking part? Um, I'm more in the upheaval. Okay. Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm working. And what have, have uh, people discussed there in that in that? Uh, most areas so far. Mm, yeah, mostly we looked at political upheaval, but then also migration, immigration, everything that changes or uh, creates a new state in, in society, like mm -hmm. upheaval in, in a, from a social point of view. Um, I was more interested personally in the Marquis de Sade, and um, he's a perfect, for me, a perfect example of someone who... Uh, falls into this category of upheaval, rebellion. Well, this is how he represented himself and was represented by others. Could you say the like s 
something like the concept of the world upside down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, you know, uh, Valentina and Ellen, I, I'm a specialist in Andean indigenous studies, and we have a concept in Quechua co- uh, called Pachacuti, mm-hmm. which is the world upside down, mm-hmm. and it fits mm-hmm. very well the the description that you are giving mm-hmm. about that upheaval. The Illuminismo didn't reach <laughs> that one, but it's uh, it it it's present mm-hmm. in all um, societies and and cultures. And Ellen. Uh, getting back to you, could you give us, because of what you said at the beginning of this recording, could you give us examples, uh, concrete examples of the legacies of the Enlightenment in present day, especially in the United States? Or, well, our whole concept yeah. of of race and our ra- and racism and the way that it uh, tries to draw lines between the human and non-human mm-hmm. is um, one of the darker sides of the Enlightenment mm-hmm. uh, that some of Valentina's upheavals are trying to work against or, or find new ways to uh, counter. Uh, human rights, therefore, are an important aspect of the legacy of the Enlightenment, thinking that humans sh- are people who have rights who and the very concept of rights as something that are inalienable to people. The founding of our country is very much an Enlightenment project. Uh, and insofar as we might be in a crisis now, it is a crisis of the Enlightenment categories. Good. Ellen, did you read my proposal for the <laughs> workshop? Because we, uh, well, I'm a specialist in Spanish America, and I title it The Dark Side of the Enlightenment, too. And it goes into the racial taxonomy, you know, yes. and, and in the 18th century, because that's when it, it exploded in the Spanish American colonies out of this desire, the imperial desire to control miscegenation. Um, and Spain couldn't because it was too far, too big, too much, too diverse, too everything. So uh, it's, uh, um, I, I really like, um, uh, I was inspired by another reading to uh, propose the dark side of the Enlightenment. Now, since we are there, uh, aside of what Ellen already pointed out, have you identified or could you tell other dark sides, dark legacies of the Enlightenment? Could you share? I think the question of race and gender definitely is important, what Ellen mentioned. Um, I think maybe in France it's also another part of the legacies of the Enlightenment is to show the Enlightenment is a very clean and progressive period. And I think our project in general also wants to show the darker side of the Enlightenment, just to quote the two of you. Um, There's a kind of myth of the Enlightenment in France, I Mm -hmm. feel. And so our project is also to show different perspectives of the Enlightenment and what the Enlightenment did or did not achieve. Good. To finish our conversation today, Valentina, what is next for the project after it ends, the the, the funding period ends in December 2018? Well, um, Tracy and I will hopefully meet um, pretty soon after this conference uh, and then see uh, where we are at with our project. And try to secure more funding because what we really want to do, um, Humanities Without Walls is the foundation, uh, the, the, the organization that funded us. And we like both the idea of Humanities Without Walls. And that was to include collaboration with faculty, graduate students, maybe also people outside of academia who have something important or interesting to say. So we would like to continue 
building up with the web page, uh, attracting new people to contribute, and then also help graduate students in their work and continue with the graduate workshop that will have place this that will take place this weekend and maybe have it every two years. Um, create Good. something where people from all over all disciplines and all different kinds of status be it professional uh, from the academia or outside of academia can and, and and very very quickly uh, this the enlightenment is not only a french right. event mm -hmm. so you don't only you are not only working with colleagues from french no. studies that's very important do you remember the disciplines of the colleagues that are involved in the team so far well ellen is english And film and studies and, and queer yes, studies. Exactly. Um, and you, Spanish, Latin yes. America. Then we have philosophy, musicology. We have history, German. German. Um, we have also from um, physics someone. So it's it's really and interdisciplinary. And that's, that's where we are. Uh, we want to point out the collaborative aspect mm -hmm. and the trans-interdisciplinary right. aspect of this initiative. So, well, thank you so much. Um, I would like to conclude our conversation today thanking both of you, Valentina Denzel and Ellen McCallum, professors at Michigan State University and members of the research initiatives on the legacies of the Enlightenment, Illuminismo, and invite you to visit the project website for more information, enlighten, enlightenmentlegacies.org. And uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. That was fun. That's great. Well, last but not least, uh, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. I also want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trego. Tune in for our next podcast. Have a great evening. <laughs>